get in, you tie them back, and we'll get rolling. Two bags out of my tea here.
Church of the Beatitudes, overlooking the site of the. Where in the world? At? What did I do? Uh, overlooking the site of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. The boat that's patterned after the ancient boat that they found. Going down to the area of Tagba, where the feeding of the 5,000 was. It's 60 and sunny there now. <laughs> you're, just, you're just making it harder on yourself. <laughs> <coughs> Seeing where it took place. Oh, there's Jerusalem. Oh, my, 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 my. Over at the Gadarenes. Out on the Sea of Galilee singing praise songs. I feel warmer already. Ah, yes. This is the synagogue or the seminary at uh, the gatherings the where the man was set free of the demons. The lay of the land of, of Israel. This is Caesarea Maritime. These are the ruins of the palace of Herod where Paul was imprisoned. We'll be talking a little bit more about the Sea of Galilee tonight.
to study your word. Those that were unable to make it, we pray for healing if they're sick and and uh, that you would draw them to uh, study the word with us online. We ask, Father, your hand to be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> So we are still in the sixth chapter of John, and uh, to bring us up to where we are tonight, we're going to start at verse 21, go through verse 30, and there, then we'll jump off from there. This is after Jesus was up at Mount Arbel, watching the storm roll in. They were toiling against the wind, cutting across the bottom half of the Sea of Galilee, and he came walking on the water. And uh, Peter called out and he said, well, come on. And Peter walked for a while until he looked down and then Jesus helped him. If you ever have a chance to go to see the, uh, the stage production Jesus, either in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or at uh, Branson, don't miss it, but the best scene in the whole thing is when they're out in the middle of the storm-tossed water and Jesus reaches down and there's this pinpoint spotlight and all you can see, the lightning and everything, all you can see is Jesus' hand reaching down to pull Simon Peter out of the drain. Oh, powerful, powerful. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which the disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the bread, the loaves that were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him, than he said. So we pick up our story on the lower half of the Sea of Galilee. They were at Tafka. Jesus sent them off. The people saw them go. They recognized the boat. I don't know if the boat had a name or not. We're not told. But they recognized the boat. And they, they had gone down, got in boats. They didn't see any, any other boat there. And they sailed down to uh, the next jutting out point, which is the pier and the dock at Capernaum. And uh, they, they, don't, 
they don't see how Jesus, they go to Jesus, how'd you get here? When you, when you get here? <laughs> and uh, I find it interesting, Jesus did not tell them how he got there. Um, the whole segment here is about seeking after signs and uh, rather than seeking after Jesus. And so Jesus could have told them, well, how I got here. Let's see. I got here late last night, but he didn't tell them that. He didn't tell them that he walked down from the top of Mount Arbel, walked on the storm-tossed waters, got into the boat, and the boat lands at Capernaum, and then he got out. He, he bypassed all that stuff. You see, Jesus doesn't have to impress us. Right. He doesn't have to impress us. <clears throat> and uh, he addresses them about signs and wonders and those kind of things. And they, they want to, well, what do we have to do to work the works of God? The last miracle they knew about was not the walking on the water. It was not the storm-tossed sea. The last miracle they had any part of was what? Loaves and the fishes. And they were all filled. And how many of you have ever remembered a meal where you were just so full? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Tom Marsh, you and, and, and you remember the the Christmas dinner, board Christmas dinner with food from Nancy. Oh my goodness. We were moaning and groaning after that. <clears throat> so, but, but but I've got to save room for a piece of pie. Okay, you do all. <laughs> they remembered this meal that Jesus had fixed for them where 5,000 were fed. And Jesus uses this opportunity not to tell them about the other miracles he'd just done, but to tell them that if you really want to work the works of God, you've got to believe on the one that God sent. Me. And so it's not faith in the signs and the wonders and those kind of things. You've got to have faith in Jesus. Yeah. So in the Old Testament, you saw prophets and the main reason why people knew they were prophets was because they did these great works, these miracles, and that was validation. Yes, this is, of course, they're 100% accurate in their predictions. So what's the difference in people in the Old Testament like needing some kind of verification that this is a prophet from God and the people in the New Testament seeking science to confirm that that was Jesus? Or was that not what they were looking to do? Well, look at what Jesus said about that very thing. He said, you know, Weren't there a lot of lepers in the time of Elijah? <clears throat> Elisha? Yeah. Sure. How many did the Lord heal? How many did the prophet heal? One. And was he for, was he an Israeli? He was a Syrian. How many, you know, this, how many people had problems during the famine? And he just picked a woman. Uh, and her son. Uh, Jesus is letting him 
the miracles that we see occurring under the prophets, the people still didn't believe in. It seems like maybe they were asking exponentially more than what they would even for the prophets. Right. You know. I mean, they just he just fed five thousand people. Yeah, that's, that's pretty. And they say, uh, "Would you show us a sign, please?" <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Now Jesus could have, couldn't he? He could have said, well, uh, let me bring the boys up here and they can tell you about last night's boat trip. And I bet, I bet Simon Peter had a story. <laughs> and the rest of them. But he didn't do that because it's human nature to think that, well, if they see a big enough miracle, a big enough sign, they'll believe but time and time again, we find in the scripture, that's not true. It's just not true. And we discussed it briefly last time, uh, how that the rich man who wound up in hell, what was his theory about people turning to the Lord? Remember that? Yeah, go back and show yourself to... He's crawling out, call out to Abraham. Abraham, could you send Lazarus back, that beggar back, and I've got some brothers that need the Lord. He says, if they didn't believe the prophets, they're not going to believe one, even though he came back from the dead. Oh yeah, I think if there was a big enough sign, they would have believed. No, what they do to what they want to do to Lazarus, this big sign of being raised from the dead. They want to kill him again. The, the, the chief priests, they didn't care a thing about a sign. They said, we've got to get rid of this guy. He's, people are starting to believe Jesus uh, because of this. So the conflict between signs and faith in Jesus is a big deal in the Scripture. You're, you're following me because you had enough meat, food to eat. And uh, you're wanting a, another sign. That wasn't good enough for you. That I was the son of man. And then Jesus launches into teaching. We've already studied this part. We're not going to do it again. But we've already studied about the, the dichotomy there of the man of the bread, the man in the wilderness. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And then he goes on and, and deals with those things and talks about the Passover, talks about the manna in the wilderness, and the people are just not getting it. Jesus is talking up here, and they're thinking down here. Well, well, yeah, well, just show us a sign and we'll believe. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. No, you won't. He knows human nature. Now, Jesus was seen after his resurrection by how many people? Over 500. Over 500 at one count. And yet, how many of the Jews believed on him? Initially, not a whole lot. Right. So even though there was determined miracles, miraculous signs, people believed for a while and then would, would fade off. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be human nature that we desire more and more and more and more 
But if we have faith in Jesus to begin with, whether you see a miracle or not, our faith is in Him, not in the miracles. Have you ever talked to somebody who, who said, well, why aren't there miracles going on today like there was back in the Bible if God's the same God? Have you ever talked yeah. to people about that? A few. And what, what, what can we say to them about the miraculous? If I saw a miracle, I'd believe. Okay. First of all, there weren't that many miracles in the Bible. I think it, I mean, I think once it works itself out, it's like if you put all the 4,000 years or whatever in the amount of miracles, I think it's like one every 70 years or something like that, right? Some of them came in clumps when the prophets came and things like that. Um, but also, there's all kinds of miracles going on all over the world today. All you have to do is, is be uh, open-minded to looking at the evidence. I mean, we have some really good evidence now, better evidence than in the past, because we have more than just eyewitness testimony. We have doctor's reports beforehand, doctor's reports after. And there's a lot of big cases for miracles today. And yet, even though we have verifiable miracles, oh, yeah. people still, well, but... Oh, yeah. It's, every, it's every uh, excuse. You know, yeah. I think it goes back to Jesus' purpose in the, for coming here anyways was to die. Mm -hmm. for Die for the sins of the world. And people don't want to, that's what people don't really want to accept. Of course, they'll gladly accept miracles. They want to see miracles and signs, but then the, the moment, well, you can also have eternal life, um, but you have to ask him to come in your heart. You have to go up. You have to, you have to, it's that um, pride that you have to admit you're a sinner and confess your sins and come to him. I and mean, that's where people are like, well, I don't want that. They want to, they want to, but Jesus didn't come to be a magician. Because he did, if he had just kept, if he was just up there for miracles, he'd been like a magician and not, and not the savior of the world. Yeah, and, and, you know, you look throughout the, the word of God and you find that even though mighty miracles were done, they did not convince people who didn't want to be convinced. Did God do anything supernatural <laughs> in front of Mr. Pharaoh? Yeah. Anything at all? Can you think of anything that God did that uh, should have moved him off dead center? A few frogs. Well, just a few things, you know. You know, if, if every water source turns to blood and is undrinkable, that might get your attention. Right. And it got his attention how long? Well, until. Not long, long enough for them to get out of town. That's about it. Well, no, no. The, let, let's just take the first one. The water turned to blood. The Nile River turned to blood. And all the springs turned to blood. We forget about that. How long did Pharaoh believe? None. He went. He went to Moses and said, "Okay, okay, Uncle, tell your God to take take that off. Okay, and I'll let you guys go." But what happened? The plague was lifted, and first said, "Well, maybe I was a little hasty. I'll not let your people." 
So then Moses and Aaron come back a second time. Another plague. The dust of the ground becomes lice and maggots. And one of my favorite stories is as you research Egypt, Egyptology, they worshiped, they had a plethora of gods and goddesses. And the Nile was their main, because without the Nile, there is no Egypt. Okay? There is no Egypt without the Nile River. And they worshiped it. They would go down and bathe in the Nile as an act of worship. That's what Pharaoh's daughter was doing. She was down worshiping the goddess of the Nile. And now it's that it's everything's dead and dying. Pharaoh said, okay, okay, I'll let you go. But then the moment that the plague was lifted, so was his determination to let the people go. But then the Lord says, okay. You wanted to know who I am? I'm going to introduce myself again. He says, take the rod and touch the soil of the ground. Because they worshipped the ground of Egypt as well. Mm -hmm. One of their acts of worship was every morning to go and bow and kiss Mother Earth. Huh, sounds familiar yeah. today's uh, things. Uh, and then when you when you you say, did they really do that? Have you have you ever witnessed Muslim high and holy days and their prayer time? Yeah. Where tens of thousands of them are all down kissing the ground. It was like that in Egypt every morning. But not that morning. <laughs> if you go outside and you kneel down and you're ready to do your morning worship of the, the goddess of the land and you look down and the sand is moving. Pucker up. <laughs> no. And so after that they were saying, okay, okay, uncle, you can go. And so the plague was lifted and he said, well, my bad, changed my mind. And he did that every time, right? Every time. And uh, so signs and wonders did not change Pharaoh's heart. It was hard. He was uh, impervious to it. He saw the miracles, and yet we, we have people today that say, well, if I saw a miracle, then I'd believe. They would. It's a miracle that you're not flown off into space, that this particular planet has a gravitational force that keeps you here, and an atmosphere here, when there's no other sustainable atmosphere in any place close to here. And God did it. Oh, you, you want to see a miracle? How about creation? Well, if I saw a miracle, I'd well, okay. Now, Jesus is trying to get across the point to these people. They're there because they had a good lunch. And they didn't even see that as a sign from heaven. What do you, would you show us a sign that you're really 
from heaven? He said, no. I'm not going to give you a sign. Uh, Jesus could have given them other signs, right? Other things he had done. He could have let them in on the inside of the other miraculous things that had already happened. He knew that it wouldn't change them one bit. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing that I think is really great. Is you look at all these people where Jesus refuses, I ain't giving you nothing because I know your heart's not right. But when John the Baptist was about to be killed, Jesus didn't tell the disciples, well, just go back and tell me to have more faith. He said, tell them about the things that I've done. So it was about the condition of John's heart. Exactly. He he would you know he, he just wants to come he, he's at the end of his life he just wants a little little to get him up over the, the edge there and Jesus had no problem giving that to John. They, they they came and they they give Jesus an opportunity to tell them about a pretty wowy miracle walking on water and such calming storms and the like. How'd you get here? You didn't have a boat. Well, walked. I walked. <laughs> did you see that storm? Yes, I did. <laughs> How'd you get here? Jesus could have given them that, but he knew their hearts. He knew their hearts. That wouldn't convince them. <coughs> Jesus goes into the, the dialogue that we talked about several weeks ago about the, you know, the you are looking for earthly bread. But you need to be looking for the bread from heaven. The manna from God. You know that, uh, well our forefathers had man in the wilderness. He says, let me tell you about that. That was the bread of heaven. And I'm the bread of heaven. I'm the bread of life. And he was communicating with them on a higher level. They just weren't getting it. They were not picking up what he was laying down. What's the danger? I'm, I mean, I'm all for miracles. I'm all for miracles. <laughs> and I've, I've had a chance to see some awesome miracles. One of the biggest is that I'm still around, you know? Amen. Uh, all the things that could have happened, would have happened, should have happened, uh, and I'm still here. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. But, uh, so I'm not anti-miracle or signs and wonders. But what's the danger of seeking and following signs and wonders? What's some of the dangers? We'll get into the scriptures here in a moment. Yeah. It can be, uh, to, to some degree, it, it can be uh, duplicated. And, you know, nefarious people can, can do their own little signs and wonders. And so... Yeah, back to the Pharaoh story. The first couple of miracles, the first couple of plagues, were replicated by the sorcerers, the magicians. It doesn't say they deceived them. No, their staffs became serpents. Because Satan has power, folks. He does. Yeah. Some people are holding back. Well, I believe if I, 
you know, I, I see this and how if there's a condition on it, you're not, that's not faith. You're, you're telling God what will convince you. Mm -hmm. But he's given to everyone the measure of faith to give you enough faith that you can believe if you choose to invest that faith in Jesus Christ. The most hardened sinner has enough faith to believe for salvation through Jesus Christ. God has given it, and he hasn't taken it back yet. Mm -hmm. What are some other dangers of seeking after and following after signs in themselves? Signs and wonders. It can be faith. It, there can be deceptions. Uh, Satan has power, too. The, the rods became serpents. The, the water became blood for them. They couldn't stop it, but they replicated it. Yeah. I think ultimately Jesus is looking for a relationship. So, you know, maybe it's a miracle that, that brought you to Jesus. But at that point, it's a, after that, it's kind of that personal relationship that you just know God. You personally know Him, and that's what's going to keep you there, not, not you know, all these miracles. Because there was, what, 400 years where God didn't speak? And there was not this. Silence. So that's a long time to go without miracle. You know. In between the end of the book of Malachi and when the angel came and spoke to Zacharias, about 400 years silence. No prophetic word of any kind. And if it was all on those signs and wonders, there would have been no faith left. And uh, Jesus is, is looking for faith. And he, he's very adamant about the fact that, uh, Jamie's mentioned this before, that if you come to the Lord by this, then you have to keep that type of activity coming. You know, if it's all smoke and beers and light shows and everything else, if you don't have that, if you get people in through that, you've got to keep that going to keep them. And it's, it's important for us to realize that if we come in just because he fed the 5,000, and we remember that, he's going to have to keep doing miracles to keep us. He wants us to believe and trust in Him. Remember what He said to Thomas in the upper room? What did He say to Thomas? Put your hand. And, and uh, Thomas didn't want to do that at that point. He had, he had previously he had previously said, "Well, you know, I ain't gonna believe it. I'm not gonna faith it till I see it." I'll, you know, you guys got a good story going on, but but until I touch the nail prints in his hand and I put my hand right where the spear went through his side, I wasn't there, but I heard about it. Because he ran off too. And so Jesus comes in, the door's being shut. That's one of my favorite. I love, I love Bible stories. I love this, the stories of God's Word. And he stands there and Everybody bows and says, my Lord and my God. He says, no, 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 Thomas. 
verses 38 through 42. Who will do that one for me? Marcia's got that. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12. Quentin's got that. Matthew 23, 24. A one-verse wonder. Who'll take that one? Andy's got the one-verse. Oh, you missed out. You missed out. Okay, Matthew 12, 38 through 42. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. Whoa! Take that. What's Jesus basically telling them here about a sign? What does he call the generation that show us more, show us more, show us, feeds 5,000, feeds 7,000, raise the dead, heals the leper, lame men are walking out of church, you know, uh, demons are fleeing, all, all kinds of cool stuff happening. Well, could you give us a sign, you know, that you're really somebody special? What does he call that generation that's seeking after a sign? Evil and adulterous. Evil and adulterous. Well, what, how do you... Where does adultery come in here? What, what does that mean? What's he saying to the generation? Fickle. You're fickle. You're, you're flirting with another. You're enamored with the signs. You, and... I'm not going to give you another one. But what sign is there for him? He talks about the resurrection. Yeah. The foretaste through Jonah, three days in the belly of the fish. And so the Son of Man's going to be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. And then he goes on and he says, And when Jonah came out of the belly of the fish, he went and preached the gospel of repentance to the foreigners of Nineveh and every single soul in Nineveh in the Assyrian Empire bowed their knee and received the Lord as their God. He says, and they're going to be your judge in the future. They didn't get any signs and wonders, did they? Did the people of Nineveh get any signs and wonders? Just preaching. Just preaching from a guy who'd been in the belly of a fish for three days, three nights. So, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as through the day of Christ, had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God 
place as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know that, and now you know ways of strength, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, they, they did not receive the love of the truth, that they may be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in righteousness. So here Paul's saying to the Holy Spirit that God is giving everyone an opportunity and a chance. But the enemy is in the business of deception, delusion, lying signs and wonders. And if it were possible to deceive even the very elect. No one is immune from being razzle-dazzled by the works of the devil. And um, We shouldn't be just followers of signs and wonders going here and there because we heard about this miracle or that miracle, whatever. Because Satan is going to do some, some stuff and more towards the end times as we see the day approaching. We need to get closer to the Lord and not be dependent. Our faith needs to be in Him, not dependent upon seeing signs and wonders because the devil is going to pull out all the stops before Jesus returns yep. to deceive everyone. And the Lord's going to say, okay, that's what you want to believe. It's up to you. But you have an opportunity to receive the gospel of love. When he, and when he talks about the people who are being deceived, I struggled with this before because I... I thought, well, what these poor people have, like, you know, they really want to follow Jesus, and, and yet they end up in hell because they were tricked. Mm. That's not the case. It's like kind of a willful deception. It's these people who, um, it's not going to be the case that you were tricked and didn't know any better. That, that's for sure. It's going to be a kind of a willful deception, kind of where you go, where, Places where you know tickles your ears, the things you want to hear, and the things you want to see, and that's what you're going to be drawn to by your your own sinful nature. You're and willingly ignorant. You're yeah. willingly stupid. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, like for instance, it said that how many of you like to on TV or whatever see magic shows? You know, I, I enjoy them yeah. personally. I'm always trying to figure out how in the world, you know, did they do that? You know, they made the Empire State Building disappear. Now, they didn't really. But in order to enter into a magic show, you have to put your mind over here and agree to be deceived. Right, yeah. You have to agree mentally 
okay, maybe the empire, the train did disappear. Now you know trains just don't disappear, and and, and uh, elephants don't disappear off the stage. You know that, right? You 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 know that, right? Right? You you know that. But you are willing to put your mind on the side and believe that it's possible. The impossible is possible. And that's a choice. But we also have a choice. We can choose to believe that He is the Son of God. He's my only hope of salvation. And that's a choice too. Yeah. When I was doing my podcast and uh, Scott, the atheist, was on with me, I'm just talking to people about this today, that he would go to some super ridiculous places. For somebody who's got a doctorate degree and he's a college professor, he would go to some, like, I'm like, did you check your brain at the door, Scott? And, you know, I would say, well, then you'd have to believe the universe came from nothing. And his response to that wasn't to accept the implications that his view that that means everything came from nothing. Mm-hmm. It was, well, we've never experienced nothing before, so maybe nothing can do something. If that's not the ultimate check you're bringing at the door, I don't, and I told him after that, I said, listen, I don't have to give any more arguments. Yeah. Our audience is going to see how amazingly unreasonable we are because there's no way yet you can believe that. Yeah. There's just no way. But he's willfully trying to get out of something so that, you know, so you can have what he wants. Well, Penn and Teller, I, I enjoy. They they do a uh, a show. I forget what it's called. Fool me, huh? Fool me or something, something like that. Yeah. And what they do is they invite other magic acts on, and to see if they can figure out or discern how they did the trick. They know it's a trick. You mean you really sawed that lady in half? No. You put your mind at the side. Oh my goodness, look at that. How did, oh, how did he do that? He didn't do that. But your mind is willing to believe that. And uh, they said in the, in the show, if you've ever seen it, he will, they will go up and he will whisper or give some key words is that how you did it? Uh, if this, this, and this, and this, and the guy says, you're on the right track, yeah. So they weren't fooled. I, I've only seen one where Penn didn't know how the trick was done. But uh, he recognized it's a trick. It's an illusion. And he even says at the beginning of the show, you know, we have to put our, our beliefs on the side and agree to believe that which is unbelievable for magic to work. And we live in a day and a time where Satan is doing some pretty phenomenal things. And people are impressed with it. Uh, whether it's the occult, the and that's just sheer demonic. Mm-hmm. And yet people are willing to believe in that and not believe in God. And they'll believe in ghosts, but not God. They'll believe in, in demons, but not deity. They'll, they'll believe in vibes. What, yeah. what on earth is a vibe? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
the light a candle for somebody. What, what, are, what are you doing? What is, what is this? Well, put on there is a Ouija board. And yeah, you're not allowed to have that. I can have that. My worldview can have you do something and then magically you get something. Yeah. My worldview has that. Yours doesn't. Yeah. You light a candle and it burns down and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you say, oh, um, I'm thinking about you. I'm sending vibes. That's all you did was write that down. That's it. That's where it stops. Nothing magical happens. We're sending positive thoughts. Don't you like that on the yeah. evening yeah. news? How about you We're sending, sending positive, positive thoughts out. It's one of the reasons why it's dangerous to just believe what you see. Because we live in a day and a time where there are things that are being shown, whether it's on a, um, a movie screen, a TV screen, that are special effects. And how many of you are amazed sometimes at some of the special effects yeah. that are out there? Yeah. Wow! Any of you old enough to remember the first uh, Superman movie? Not the TV program, but the first Superman movie. And the ads for the first Superman movie were, you'll believe that man can really fly. And they, they, they had it where, where people were so convinced of this, and, and uh, it, was, it was special effects. What was the guy's name? He later was paralyzed. He wasn't. Christopher Reeves. Steve Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. He wasn't uh, impervious to uh, things. But the, the perception of people was that he was flying. He knew he wasn't flying. He knew it was a, a generated thing on the screen, the blue screen or green screen. Have you ever watched the, the news realizing that they're talking to a green Uncle Walt? <laughs> you, you, know, you know that, right? There's not a map there, you know. Well, over here, I've often, how do you do that? They're glancing over at a monitor over there, and they're moving their hands, but there's a green screen there uh, that is an optical illusion. It's not really there. And if that exists today, can you imagine before Jesus comes, what other deceptions and ludicrosities will exist? We have right now the, the whole AI, automated intelligence, that uh, they want them to fly airplanes, drive cars, I know people don't have the intelligence to drive a car. <laughs> well, it's automatically parking. But, and yet people say, oh, that's, isn't that marvelous? No, I think it's kind of scary. I think it's kind of scary. But we don't follow after signs because signs can be lying signs and lying wonders. They can be deceptions. They can be our perceptions where we've checked our beliefs at the door. You can believe that it's an optical illusion or whatever, but we can't follow after science because science can be manipulated. Mm -hmm. 
Were you? Yeah. yeah. It, it's not. It's not even uh, like the call. It can be. It can be in a Christian movie. You know, because God says you have to worship me in spirit and truth. Yeah. If you have a, fa a false prophet or false, um, whatever it be, a false evangelist, that's they might be sh they might be having miracles, even they might be having real miracles, but yet they might be preaching. They're not preaching the gospel, and then people fall. People start to follow after the miracles or the person, mm -hmm. and forget that it's Jesus and His salvation is the most important thing. They're not giving credit to the Lord, and they're reaping these benefits. There's, if Satan is willing to give up a, uh, a miracle healing, if you would, if he just takes the disease off that he put on somebody, right. what's it to him if it causes people to believe <laughs> apart from the gospel? That this incantation or this Warlock or witch, or that they, oh, it's a good witch. Well, take that up with Endor, you know, the witch from there in the Bible. Uh, no, no such thing. It was against the law. It was against God's plan to talk to the try and talk to the dead. Why? Not because you can, but because demons are involved. <clears throat> I've always I wondered, you know, until I did some thinking, like why would some people have some kind of demonic issue and they can go to, you know, someone who isn't Christian and be relieved of that. But in all these cases, in every case I found, it was simply temporary. It was almost just enough of the drug to give the person a fix to keep going for keep more. Hooked. But they end up ultimately being scared in even more, and the demons always end up coming back. I've never heard of a case of a new age kind of practice or new age kind of uh, exorcism where it actually lasted. They always either come back to your home or come back to you to demonize you. It's never truly gone. Well, just biblically speaking, what did Jesus say about a person who was set free from demons? would go away to dry places and then come back and find the If you're not filled with the Spirit of the Lord, they're going to come back in worse than they were before. Satan's willing to give a little to gain a lot. Mm -hmm. We cannot be followers of signs. I praise God for miraculous signs and wonders, but I run them all through, through Him because that doesn't make me believe or not believe in God. Right. If I never see another miracle, I've received the miracle. I was taken from spiritual death to spiritual life. I've been born again. I have eternal life through Jesus Christ. If I never see another miracle, the miracle of salvation is big enough. Big enough. And, uh, but there are lying signs and lying wonders and more as we get closer to the end times. If you haven't noticed, it's looking kind of end-timey out there, isn't it? And Satan is going to be moving massively. Uh, Matthew 23, 24, the one verse wonder. Here we go. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. 
Uh, I got the wrong verse. Go to 23. Now go to 24, 23. It, it's 24, 23. I can't even write anymore. Don't be deceived. I, Matthew 24, 23. Then if anyone says to you, look here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. No, not any and, uh, Verse 24. Get, get the next verse. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive this, if possible, even elect. Whoa. Whoa. He's, he's writing about the end times, the end of the age. And then another one out of the book of Revelation. This is later on in the book of Revelation, but... Revelation chapter 16. I don't know if I put it on there or not. If I did, I probably got the wrong verse down. For they are spirits of demons. Revelation 16 verse 14. They are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Ultimately, the great final battle is going to take place because everyone was gathered there in a deception from demonic forces that they're going to be able to take out Israel. Can that get a crowd today? Yes, it can. Yeah. But the source of it is demonic. Spirits of demons. The dangers of following signs. There are lying signs and lying wonders. There's demonic involvement that can be. That if we get our eyes off of Jesus, we cease to build our faith. Our faith is in the sign not in the Savior. I know people that follow different evangelists or different teachers because of signs and wonders. And I've seen those people fall. And what happens to the people that were their followers? They fall too. They fall hard. Deceptions, magic, it all seems real. And Jesus is saying, you came here because I gave you lunch the other day. But what you really need is the bread of life, the bread of heaven. And he, he talks to them about this. It's in the same portion where Jesus said, unless you eat the bread of my flesh and drink the, the blood of, of my, my body, you, you're not going to make it. And they're saying, huh? We're forbidden in the scripture to eat human flesh and drink human blood. We're, we're not allowed to do that, Jesus says. Jesus is always talking up here. And people are hearing down here. Remember when he went in the third chapter, when he went and talked, Nicodemus came by for an evening chat. Remember that? Yeah. Jesus is talking up here. 
And Nicodemus is listening down here. He comes and says, Oh, Master, nobody could do the things that you're doing except they were from God. He's putting with the signs. Right? And Jesus said, Let me cut to the chase, Nick. You must be born again. And Nick says, are you telling me we've got to go through this whole thing again and, 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 and be I, I don't understand this is, Jesus said I'm talking up here you're talking down here unless somebody's born of water and spirit unless there's a spiritual rebirth you're not going to even understand what I'm talking about you know, the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing and you can see its effects, but you can't see it. And I'm telling you things you can't see with your eye, but you can know with your spirit. And so Jesus here again is talking to them. He's given them the discourse about the bread. And he's the living bread. He's the bread of heaven. And he's the manna. He symbolized the manna in the, in the wilderness. And the, the rock that followed them, this rock was... Christ Jesus, the Bible says. All symbolism. And they're thinking, he was a rock? <laughs> he was quail? No. Jesus sometimes talks up here. And sometimes we listen down here and don't understand. So, Jesus brings it down to them and we come to John whoops, missed it well you got it up there it went, it went away, where'd it go? there it is John chapter 6 and verse 60 through 71 after Jesus talked to these Jewish people about him being the bread of heaven and the bread of life and that if you don't, you know, he's going to be the Passover meal. The bread and the cup are him. Symbolized. They just don't get it. And after this in verse 60 it says, Therefore, based upon what happened, many of his disciples, not the twelve, all the followers, when they heard this said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? I just don't get it. And when Jesus, when Jesus knew himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Oh, is that contemporary or what? <laughs> what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before when he go up to heaven? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Verse 66 leaps out. From that time, Many of his disciples went back and walked 
with him no more. It's not talking about the twelve. They hung with him. Not, you know, tight, but they were with him. But he would have a crowd of 5,000. He would have a crowd of 7,000. And when he began to bring them spiritual truth about his real mission, it wasn't about doing tricks. It wasn't about doing signs. He came to die for the sins of the whole world. The Son of Man must be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all unto myself. Take up your cross. They didn't want to hear any of that. Right. And from that time, many of his followers, disciples, went back and walked with him no more. What does that say to us? Well, if, if we're not there... I mean, I honestly think if they were there in the right, with the right frame of mind, the right heart, they would seek understanding instead of just saying, "I this guy's talking nuts, and I'm out of here." Where his disciples sought understanding, and, and they were in it for the long haul, where these these people weren't. So, as Christians, we have to, you know, we have to be in it and say, "Come hell or high water, this is my man." I'm in this. This is for good. Whether there's bread and fish or not. Right. Whether there's miraculous supply or not. Whether the, the lame are walking or not. I'm following Jesus. It's a tough place to come to, but it's it's a, a spiritual place to come to. I've known have you known people? I have. Who, because God didn't answer their prayer the way they wanted it answered, walked away. Walked away. And uh, at the beginning of this portion of Scripture, they came to Him wanting more signs. They just had their belly full of bread and fish, but they wanted more. Jesus knew says, well, I'm, I'm going to lay a heavy one on them. I'm going to tell them about what the bread symbolizes in the Passover and what the, the, the cup symbolizes in the Passover meal. Remember two weeks ago? It was at the time of the Passover when the Jews when the miracle of feeding the 5,000 took place. Anybody remember that? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. It's all tied together here. You see it? It's all tied together. They're wanting more fish and bread sandwiches. And Jesus is telling them about the symbolism of true bread and the true cup. From that time, many of his disciples, many, went back and walked with him no more. Verse 67, Then Jesus said to the twelve, the, the leftovers, Do you also want to go away? Jesus has given them an out too. Yeah. How about you guys? You heard the same things. Are you troubled? Well, you but Simon Peter answered him. This is one of his high moments. This is one of my favorites. This is one of his high moments. He has a lot of low moments, but he has some good ones. Yes, he does. 
Verse 68, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, who, who, who would we go to? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah. And he, that, what he was saying right there was, you have truth. So no matter how that hits me, no matter how it affects my life, good or bad, no matter what I can't wrap my mind around, it's inconsequential. You, you are what is true, and so I'm going to follow it regardless of how it, how it affects me or what I can and cannot understand. I trust him, not I trust him if, I trust him when, I trust him if he, no, I trust him no matter what. And it's a, it's a co covenant, it's a commitment. Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is a high mark for Simon Peter. Now he, shortly thereafter, puts his sandal in his mouth again. And Jesus says, well, I'm going to be taken up. They're going to crucify Jesus. Oh, not so, Lord. I wouldn't let that happen to you. He said, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, a minute ago I was okay. But now I'm <laughs> Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? Twelve, and one of you is a devil. This is one of those things. Jesus knew two things. He knew that one would be deny him, and one would betray him. And yet, he didn't treat them any different. Have you ever had a situation where you knew somebody was backstabbing you? Did it affect the way you treated them? Probably so. If you knew people were backstabbing you or speaking about you, would you uh, talk to them less? Give them less ammunition? Would you be cautious? Jesus talked the same no matter who was there. Even though he knew one was a devil and one was going to deny that he even knew him. And he was one of his inner circle. That had to hurt. He spoke of Judas's carrot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So here we find this, a split is developing. A large group of people who follow Jesus from place to place is not following him anymore. I forget who it was, but when I was growing up, I heard an evangelist say this. He was talking about the cross. And he said, I want you to know two things about the cross of Jesus Christ. The first thing is, there's level ground at Calvary. Mm -hmm. He says, we all got to come to the same place. We got to come to the same cross, to the same Christ. It's a, an important person has to come to the same cross that a lowly person does. And second thing is that the closer you get to the cross, the less disciples you'll see. 
You see, Jesus had thousands following him in Galilee. But the closer he got to Calvary, you had throngs shouting out, Hosanna! And several days later, where were they when they were nailing him to a cross? Under their beds. The closer you get to Calvary, there's a sorting out process. And uh, I'm not trying to discourage anyone. I just want you to know that uh, it can become discouraging when you see people that were followers of the Lord that walk away, like these disciples did. How many of you, it discourages you? It bugs me. It bugs the dickens out of me. And I just, sometimes just want to smack people and shake them and give them a gib slap or whatever. But think of what Jesus experienced the closer he got to Calvary. And many disciples walked away and followed him no more. But as for me and my house, I can only decide for me. I'm going to follow him. I choose Jesus. And you have to choose him. There may be, if you had some relatives, some family, some friends, they've walked the wrong direction. But you keep following Jesus. Just keep following Jesus. And don't follow signs. Because the Bible says signs follow believers. Believers don't follow signs. These signs shall follow them that believe. There's going to be things happening because you follow Jesus. We're going to stop there for tonight. And uh, go to prayer. Could you join with me in praying for anybody that you know of by name that used to walk with the Lord and they walked away? I, I heard uh, the name of one person twice this week already uh, that used to be a close follower of Jesus and just walked away. And I've heard from two different people that they ran into this individual this past week. And uh, I just have to believe. I pray for the guy all the time. Maybe God's up to something. I believe God's up to something. He's sending people across the path. Uh, I, I believe God's not done working on some people yet. How many of you have some people you can think of? I don't want you to name their name out loud because this is being recorded. But you have some people on your heart that used to walk close with the Lord but have walked away. Anybody? Mm -hmm. Let's, let's be interceding for them tonight. Other prayer requests tonight. Pray for our unsaved loved ones. We have a number of people that are sick that need a healing. We have a number of needs for our outreach this weekend. I don't know if the Lord would grant us to be impervious to the cold, but I can pray it, you know. We're making plans to try and keep people safe in the cold weather. But we've got a mission to touch the west side of Columbus, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And we'd appreciate your prayers on that. Other prayer requests tonight before we... Our missionaries.
our missionaries around the world, think how discouraged they get. Oh my. oh my goodness. And especially our missionaries in Muslim countries, it's a tough sell because if they win a convert, that convert may be killed by his own family for coming to follow Jesus. And it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough world for our missionaries. A tough time. Lift them up in prayer. Could I have several lead us out in a word of prayer tonight? And I'll close in just a while. Let's uh, take these matters before the Lord. Could we do that? And lift up that those individuals that are on your heart that the Lord's bringing to your remembrance that used to walk following the Lord but have walked away. Oh, wouldn't the Lord love to have that prodigal come home? I'm going to pray for that one that's heavy on my heart right now. Several lead us out in prayer tonight. Lord, we're so thankful that you are real to us. Yes. Lord, we just lift up those that are not with us tonight, Lord, those that are sick and are hurting. Lord, I pray that you'll just minister. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We ask would continue to help us to grow in it and feast on it so it becomes a part of us. Lord, be with us as we minister this weekend. I pray, Lord, for the youth. I ask, Lord, that you continue to give wisdom to Pastor Carissa strength and just bless her ministry I pray but Lord thank you that with each passing day that we can we can look back and we can see how faithful how faithful you have been to each one of us you walk with us and we ask Lord that that those that have fallen away, that Lord, that mm. sent someone across their path, mm. Lord, draw them back to you. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. praise you tonight. I praise your holy name. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you for your plan of salvation. Yes. I thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you know us by name, that you care about every facet of our lives. You care about our loved ones, our families. Mm -hmm. You died for each and every one of them. And Lord God, we have some friends and family members that uh, don't know you. Are just dragging their feet, uh, making up excuses. 
whatever the case may be, Lord, these people that are on our hearts, mm -hmm. we ask, Father God, for your favor. We ask that you would intercede in their lives, Lord God, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are who you are, say that who you say you are, that you love them, and that they might experience the joy of having their sins forgiven. Oh, Father God, we, we live in a lost and dying world and it's all around us. Not just our loved ones and our family members, but uh, a world full of people that you love, Lord. They're your creation. And we know that you weep for that. So we ask, Lord God, that uh, your spirit would just enable us, empower us, to be your hands here on earth, to be your, yes. your voice, to be your witnesses. Help us, Lord, to be what you want us to be here. Yes, Lord. We can't do it on ourselves. We're living in an evil world. Uh, our kids are being drawn every which way. Mm -hmm. And Lord God, we pray for your hand of protection upon our children. Yes, Lord. That you keep them close to you, keep them grounded, Lord. Mm -hmm. And that uh, you just do as you promise, Lord, because yes, we know Lord. you will. So we praise you tonight, Father. We praise you for the blood of Jesus. Mm. And we thank you tonight. Yes, Lord. Father, we pray in advance over this outreach this weekend. We don't want to just go through the motions and be food distributors. We want to pray over these items of food and over this compassion and ministry that we're sharing. We pray, Father, for hearts to be open, to reach out and see this cup of cold water ministry to glorify your name. Help us to point people to Jesus. We're asking Father God for you to give us favor as we do the, do the job of this ministry this weekend. We likewise pray for the ministry to the homeless and those in the midst of this bitter cold that are ministering to them. We, we pray, Father, that whatever we can do, we can make an impact on somebody for Jesus' sake. We ask for your help in all of these things. We praise you for all that you've already done. And we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.